Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Balls. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we're going to talk about the Cowboys. You know, we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington, back in the studio with my old pals who missed me so much last week, Evan Grants, David Moore. How was it without me, fellas? New podcast. Who dis? <laughs> Why do you just step in and take over like this? You know, that's what I'm supposed to do. Kevin burst through the door this morning. He said, give me my podcast back. That was it. Yeah. How you feeling? Uh, much better, thank you, for asking. You sounded horrible together in the aftermath of last week I, I when was, you missed the podcast. I know I was horrible in the aftermath <laughs> of all that. It's, it's apparently a really bad allergy season. I told you that on yeah, text. It I, is. Yeah, Na- my poor Natalie has been struggling with it really? for months. So it's allergy, not a virus or No, no, not a virus. Don't worry. It's okay. Are you spread? Are you any closer to death? Uh, every day. <laughs> every day. As we all are. Uh, so you did manage to back to kind of bounce back in time for the big Cowboys. Uh, well, you Saints can't miss tilt. that. You can't miss that. No, and Quite. it actually was big. It, it was, was very big. big. Who knew? It was big, and it went exactly as you guys predicted. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. I said thirteen ten. Well, I said fourteen to ten. To be yeah, honest, at the end of the first quarter. <laughs> yeah. No, I think I had the Cowboys losing thirty one twenty seven, something like that. 31, 24, maybe. I don't know. Uh, I had it reasonably close for the Cowboys. Um, who knew that the Cowboys would only score 13 points? Yeah. Who knew that they'd underperform like that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I, but I think you'd probably like to talk about the defense before we get into what this week is, which is Eagles week. Eagles, Eagles, Eagles. Yeah. Well, I think, um, yeah, just, just real briefly, I think this is the thing that, to me, about this team, this Cowboys team, that made me be- believe that it had potential early on was the por- performance of the defense. They, they they have not had a defense like this in years. I, I you know I'd have to go back and look at the numbers and see, but just purely on the grounds of uh, the talent, first of all, playing in, on defense. It's not just a scheme. It's not just Rod Marinelli and Chris Richard. You know, uh, scheming up really good stuff, which they are doing. So I thought they it was a remarkable scheme against New Orleans. I thought. You, you, you came right out of the box, and I believe the first two pl- passes were both PBUs. And, and, and to me, the guys were right on top of the receivers. It was like they knew exactly what the Saints were going to throw. Yeah, New, New Orleans, I believe, in the first 11 games had a total of 14 three-and-outs in their first 11 games. Uh, Cowboys forced them into three and outs on their first two possessions. Yeah, and, it, and it my remarkable. my stat to go with all of that would be that for the first time in his career, Drew Brees started off zero for four. Zero for four. Yeah, zero for four. I mean, Troy Troy noted that very quickly and was quite shocked by that. And, and I think you know it's it was funny to me that first of all that they threw their first three passes. You know, it's like how about, how about mixing in a run here? But they and I think they were just completely shocked by it, and and uh, because the, the the throws that that Breeze was making, you know, the first two were fine throws. They're right there. It's just yeah. that the DBs were right on top of them, and that is the thing to me that has been so surprising about this season. And if you and if you've watched this Cowboys team, how could you not notice? When was the last time the Cowboys had a cornerback playing as well as Byron Jones? 
I, I can't remember one in this century. Well, again, and it's interesting because he's not getting a lot of turnovers, but they're just not even going his way. No. And, and what they did was they – and they've shown more flexibility than they have in the past. They had him travel with Michael Thomas some yeah. in that game. Usually they just play sides or quarters, uh, however they break it up. But uh, they're, they're mixing that up this year, uh, I think, with Chris Richards. And, and not doing it uh, – again, what makes it effective, one, is that Byron Jones is playing at such a high level primarily – but two, you can't really get a bead on what Dallas is going to do defensively. It's, uh, it's not like they travel Byron Jones with the best receiver all the time. Uh, they'll do it for parts of a game. They may do it for a whole game, as they did primarily against New Orleans. Uh, and then you may not see it again for four or five weeks. Uh, they just they you know play their quarters. Uh, they play that Tampa 3 defense a lot. But they go – this group of corners is so physical, and that's what Rod Marinelli has wanted since he's gotten here. He's wanted physical corners uh, to go with the guys up front. And, and, you know, very quietly and not with the same level of investment that they had in the offensive line and the offensive skill positions, they've gone really over the last – Four to five years defensively, they've invested a lot in building this defense the way they wanted, and you, you, you're finally getting it into place now. And and not only is it in place, it's young, and it's a nucleus that if you're willing to pay for a few key guys, which you're going to have to, uh, you can keep in place for a while. Yeah, and I was – it wasn't just – and, of course, Byron Jones has played well all year long. And, and, and the other and the other corners, you know, Awuzie has, has had – has been okay. and, and uh, But I thought you – know, Anthony Brown was outstanding against He's been Saints. very good all year, yeah. He, he's an outstanding slot corner. And, you know, again, he's a guy who came in uh, coming out of college, didn't really have a slot cor- lot of slot corner skills. He was an outside guy and just took to playing in traffic right away and has been very – and he can swing outside. When Awuzie was out, uh, he went outside and, and held up very well. But uh, when he's your third corner and Jordan Lewis, who, who got the interception to, yeah. to ice the game, is your fourth corner, uh, they're just so much farther along than they have been in any time. And, and you know, I, we talked about it. I thought Dallas was capable of winning the game. I didn't think they should be favored, but but I think everyone thought the way they were playing and where they are defensively, they were capable of winning the game. I don't think anyone envisioned that Dallas's defense would be able to shut down every single aspect of the New Orleans offense. You know, I, I think people felt that, you know, they can take this away or they can make it difficult for them to run the ball or or they can do this or that, but I mean, they did it all. They took away the run game. They took away uh, certainly the deep passes. They took away the screen game to Kamara, uh, and they took away the intermediate passes. It, it was a it was a phenomenal defensive performance. It, it really was. Had it not been for Randy Gregory, it had been uh, thirteen to three. Yeah, I mean, they're and and that's the thing that you know New Orleans scored ten points in a in a burst of two possessions to start the second half. Uh, Dallas and and as you said. Uh, Randy Gregory, who appeared on a crusade to hand the Saints oh the game. Gosh. But it wasn't but just one him. Of the, one there of the, were five defensive penalties by the Cowboys in those ten points on those two right, possessions. Right. So uh, you also had a couple of uh, interference calls on uh, Byron Jones there. Yeah, you did. You did. What were you going to say, Evan? Well, I was just going to say, one of the penalties on I, – listen, I, I was as critical of Gregory during the game as, as anybody, but – one of the penalties was a little bit dicey. The the neutral zone infraction, I thought. You was. know, I never saw a, a replay to show where he was lined up. 
was was he lined up offsides? It was real hard to tell. It really was. I mean, well, then that's a little bogus to call that. But I will say this: that is the dumbest penalty in football. It really is. If you if you just, can't just line up, yeah, I mean, yeah. come on. Uh, so nowhere the line of scrimmage. Of course, is. he also had the face mask penalty, uh, and then he and then of course face mask and roughing the kicker and the roughing the, the, roughing the kicker uh, penalty was really was really yeah. bad. Yeah. You know, just just don't put yourself in those kind of positions. How many times are you going to be blocking these kicks? Yeah. Just just put some pressure on and, and then move on. Well, the face mask was really bad too because there was, was. no. The position he was in, there was no need to reach out like that and, no. and, and try to do that. Correct. So, so anyway, uh, uh, if, if you take everything else into consideration in that game, I thought it was phenomenal. And then in the, on offense, uh, you know, they only scored 13 points, and that kept brought up a lot, uh, and that's true. But the key was how long they kept the ball. You know, the the drive right there before the half when they went, um, you know, 98, you know, where they, they took over at the two. Well, whatever. which came after the, the fourth and goal where, right. where, they, where they held. And, again, you, you hear this phrase being thrown out a lot at, at the star these days. They talk about complimentary football. Uh, to me, that was a prime example of it. Uh, New Orleans had a first and goal at the seven. Um, the Cowboys held. Uh, Dallas got the ball back on the one-and-a-half-yard line and then held it for, I think that time it was nine, nine and a half minutes, settled for a field goal, but held it for nine and a half minutes and turned what would have been a touchdown into a field goal. So it was a 10-point swing right there. And it was, was, while the offense in total production didn't do a whole lot, they responded at a key moment to maximize what the defense gave you. And, Mm -hmm. And that's what... Uh, that's what this team's been doing during this winning streak. I mean, it's uh, when when Leighton Vander Esch does get an interception, uh, a Dallas offense that hadn't done much in three or four possessions will step up and get the touchdown right after it. And, and that's what they're doing uh, when one side makes a big play to give the other side an opportunity. They're capitalizing on it. And, yeah, it was 13 points, but let's not overlook – if they wanted to score at the end of the game, yeah, it, it, right. it was it was twenty to ten, really, and right. and twenty to ten is really more reflective of how dominant the game was. Really, I would say I would say twenty eight to zero was more reflective of how dominant the game was in a yeah. lot of ways. I, I'm sure the Saints were in shock uh, about that entire thing, and maybe still, you know, and, and we know that every week in the NFL, you you have weird things happen, and and it kind of goes back and forth. But this but, one weird. This was like dominating no, from from start to finish. Yeah. I, I mean, know, and I, and I got stuff from Saints fans saying, "Oh, if they play them five times, they'll they'll beat them four out of five. They might, you, you know, and, they, and, they, and, and they might. But they the beat thing them is, three maybe. But, but 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 what makes you think watching that game that oh the Saints are going to figure this out next time? I, I listen. I I give the Saints. I give Sean Payton. I give Drew Brees an awful lot of credit. And and I think that if they do play again, uh, a it's going to be in New Orleans. B you know, it's hard to beat a team, a good team, twice in, in the course of the race. If they play again, the it will be in New Orleans right. because the Saints will have a better record. Correct. And, Correct. and yeah, both teams were talking about that after, after the fact that, right. well, we think there's a good chance we're going to meet again. Right. Yeah. So, I, you know, there's there's a lot of reasons for Saints fans to, to feel like they've still got the sure. upper hand in this. Absolutely. Uh, but the thing is, it's not a slam dunk. And if the Saints had won that game, there was a really good chance <laughs> – that those teams don't meet again at some point in yeah. time. 
Yeah, I, I, I almost thought that, you know, and I was thinking about this before the game, that if the Cowboys lost to the Saints, it was it was no big deal. I mean, it, would, it wouldn't have been the end of, of their, the Cowboys' playoff well, hopes we, or we anything. We talked about this in depth last week. Did you really? David and I, yeah. yes, we did. Which apparently you didn't listen. I guess if you're not on here, you don't really care about it. I don't listen podcast. to it when, when I'm on it, so <laughs> why would I listen then? Um <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I, I think David made David made good points. You know, the, the, look, the Cowboys are expected to lose this game. If they if they lose poorly, if they lose and in a it's in a rout, then all of a sudden maybe it does stop the momentum that that team had had put together over the previous three weeks. If they lose close, it does give them an idea that hey, they have an opportunity to play with the Saints. And if they win, now all of a sudden you're looking at a team on a roll. And I think that's a good segue for us to get towards where they're at because I. They've got a huge game this week for – essentially is for the NFC East title, I think. Yeah, there's not – while uh, the Eagles could lose this game and still have a mathematical pulse as far as winning the division, that would be it. The yeah. reality of it is This is it would for be the division title. Because if Dallas wins um, – if Dallas wins this game Sunday, they will have swept the season series. They would then have a two-game lead – over Philadelphia in the division with three left, and they would own the tiebreaker. Right. So uh, it puts them in a position where you would have to have it work out in a three-way tie, but but Philly and Washington play again, so right. I don't think you're going to wind up with that. No. So, uh, but, but the other side of it is, um, now again, like Dallas can lose this game and still win the division, particularly since Philadelphia travels to Los Angeles to play the Rams right after the Cowboys right. and then come home to play a, a Houston team that hasn't lost since September. Right. So their schedule uh, is going to make it very difficult for them to win the division. And the Eagles have a short week this week, yeah. and they're playing on the road. Yeah, so. but the other side of this is if the Eagles win, and they have won four of the last five games played at AT&T Stadium, to me the roles are reversed. Dallas was the desperate team going into Philadelphia – and if Dallas had not won in Philadelphia, they really would not have had a realistic path to winning the division. The, the Eagles are in the exact same spot now. The difference is it's much deeper in the season. Right. But, but if, if Philadelphia wins, now suddenly they're both tied. They both are tied for the division lead again. And the Eagles have the tiebreaker because they will have had more division wins. So... Uh, it, it's a it's a huge swing here for them, and, and like I said, but but a loss by the Eagles virtually eliminates them. Right. And uh, and look, we we know where Washington is now. It's it's completely unrealistic to expect them to to be in this. So it comes down to to this game this week, and and it means a lot more to Philadelphia than it does to Dallas because uh, the Dallas went over New Orleans, put it in a position where. It can lose a game or even two the remainder of the way here and still be in pretty good shape. I, I want to know uh, where the Eagles are right now because here's the thing. Clearly, the Super Bowl winners, and they come back this year, they've been extremely disappointing. They, they lost uh, their, uh, two of their uh, key members on their offensive staff, and, and people are pointing to that as the reason why they're not playing as and well. Their running game's not the same. Right. And, yeah. and now the other, you know, the. They, you know, Malcolm Jenkins is their only healthy guy in the back end. Right. I mean, they were going with undrafted, undrafted free agents in their back end, starting and playing significant time in the secondary. Their secondary is just That's ravaged. Yeah. 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 So the defense isn't as good. The offense last night against the Redskins, uh, you know, kind of shot itself in the foot a lot. Um, they didn't score down there once when yeah. they went for it on fourth down at the goal line. 
uh, uh, Carson Wentz threw an interception. Uh, Josh mm-hmm. Norman picked one off down at the goal line. So they they were moving the ball against the Redskins team that you had to feel like it's pretty demoralized at that point and down to Mark Sanchez as their as their quarterback. Uh, so I would think that that would that must have had an impact on them playing there. So I, I but what we're but you know I don't know how many of us would have seen the Cowboys make this swing that they did as you're talking about beating the Eagles, beating the Falcons on the road, beating both those teams on the road, yeah. uh, coming back home and beating the Saints at home. And all that allowed you to beat the Saints, yeah. So, yes. so who's to say if Philadelphia – and, again, if Philadelphia gets in the spot, it will be because they ran the table in the division with right. – you know, they fell behind New York by, what, 16 points and won right. that game, came back and beat Washington, then beat Dallas. So they will have run the table in the division. And then who's to say at that point they don't go out and beat a Rams team? Yeah, and, and 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 then you have the same sort of bump that Dallas got with beating New Orleans. So this, it you know, as significant as the New Orleans win is, and you know, but people want to call it one of the a signature win. My point is, you don't know if it's a signature win until you see how the rest of the season plays. That's out. right. I mean, if this team goes two and two after beating New Orleans. Was it an aberration or a signature win? Right. To, right. to, to this point, it's a signature win, but you, it's still it's what have you, you done for lately. Yeah. yeah. Um. <clears throat> and I will say what that win did, though, is it's interesting because now uh, people were asking the other day, oh, well, have your, your expectations of this team changed? And my answer is yes, they've changed from when they were three and five and looking as bad as they did at home against Tennessee – but if you want to go back to the start of the season, they're really kind of now on track for what my expectations were for this team when the did season you have started. Them at, uh, ten and six or nine and seven. I had them eleven five. You had eleven five, and so I. Did I. You had them at eleven and five too. Yep. Yeah. Um, this it, is it, the team I'm starting. This is the team I thought we would see this season. All right. Well, this brings me to a point. I ran into a friend of mine uh, the other night who mentioned you, Kevin Sherrington, and <laughs> that you had mentioned that this team Do we all know this friend of yours? Yes, I think we all do, but I'm going to leave the name out of it. Is um, it Brad Shan? Does he work in the industry? Yes, good guess. Uh, <laughs> um, and he mentioned that, that, you know, there had been a take that this team underperformed at the, at the beginning of the year. Uh, and his, his point on this is this is not the same team that it was at the beginning of the year, that the coaching, line, the, the coaching changes on the offensive line – and the addition of Cooper make it a completely different team. So I would sit here as, as with this team at 7-5, and five, I'd ask you this question. Did this team underperform at the beginning of the year, or is this a different team? Well, yeah. I mean, obviously the addition of Cooper has made a difference on the offense, and and, uh, and I think that, you know, it's – it's still hard for me to say how do you, how do you quantify you know removing Paul Alexander and and uh, making Frank Pollock the 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 offensive line coach. I I don't know. I mean, I, you'd have to ask those guys on the offensive line, and they're not going to be honest about that. They're not going to say, yeah, Paul sucked, and, and now we're now we're really playing. So uh, you know, I, I do think that there are there were additions and things that were made and made a difference. But look. Um, and, and I was all for the Mari Cooper trade. And right. I was all in on that, and I think it was a great deal. But this is a completely different team now from the one at the first of the season. Right. And and, it's, and you, I don't think you can say that Amari Cooper is completely the difference in that team. And when I'm talking about underperforming, I'm talking about some of the decisions made by the coaching staff, uh, by the head coach. That has, and, uh, yeah, and some that, of the things they do. And to me, that helped. And then that's part of underperforming is that when the head coach – and that's what I'm talking about directly, is that the head coach is not getting out of this team what he needs to get out of it at that point. And, that, and to me, that's what was going to get 
Jason Garrett fired or should have gotten him fired. All right, but so here's the, the question I'd pose to you, David, is I'd, I want you to address the same thing. I mean, is this mm. a different team or is it, did it underperform at the beginning of the year? And the second part would be, I think Kevin brings up a great point on, you know, there was a lot of criticism directed Jason Garrett's way in, in the middle of this three and five start. Has Jason Garrett changed at all? Or is it, is it just a matter of this team carrying the coach? It's, I would say, underperform. I understand why you would use that word. I would say that uh, there were poor personnel decisions made and poor coaching decisions made as far as what the composition of the staff should be. And this team's ability to be efficient offensively with the wide receivers they had in place. They made a major miscalculation saying that we can address this by committee with the players we have in place. Uh, and then, in my mind, it was a coaching failure in the offseason and in, in the preseason of not working enough with those guys and still acting like, oh, well, everything's going to be fine once the regular season starts. Right. Let's shut this down for the final two weeks of the regular season. These guys don't need to work together. Um, so there was that. And there was also uh, Paul Alexander's addition never really made sense for because what this team technique. has done historically because of the technique. It, it, and it was kind of sold as, well, look, here's like a nuanced approach. This is just another technique you can bring in. But what you wound up doing was you you watered down and diffused what you did best. And and I I so I, I give the front office credit for recognizing their mistakes in season and addressing them rather than waiting until it was too late. But uh, that's why they didn't play better early in the season. All that being said, and Jason Garrett's role in this, um, I, I think he was as he often is, he is slow to acknowledge where the team actually is. I think he finally acknowledged that during the bye week and, right. and, and made the necessary changes. Did it, did it hit him uh, while he was sitting in the front row at the World Series? At the World Series, yeah, yeah. Which, which is everyone saying now. No one traces the, the turnaround back to that moment. It was. Brad Paisley. He, he looked it was at him and Brad Paisley. Brad Paisley, yeah. <laughs> well, I think we need to talk to Brad Paisley and find out what he told Jason. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, but here's the question – I mean, you both are big on the on the Cooper trade, and obviously Amari Cooper's made a huge difference. Could they have done anything differently in free agency that would have had the same impact as going out and trading for Amari Cooper when that trade became available? Could they have acquired somebody of that level? Or in retrospect now, did it make sense to say, let's address it as best we can and we'll go out and get somebody? Well, a lot of times, the you know, this is tried, but the, the best trades are the ones you don't make. Right. Um, they really wanted Sammy Watkins, gave him big money to do it. Sammy Watkins preferred to be part of a group in Kansas City rather than the guy with the Cowboys. Once they lost out on him, there wasn't really anyone else they wanted to. But that, that gives you an idea of the template of the guy they wanted, right. uh, a, a younger guy with speed uh, because they feel the speed is crucial as far as getting the stretch they need and and – Look, uh, Amari Cooper goes impact goes beyond just what he's done production wise. I mean, this team was, I think, twenty eighth, twenty ninth in the league in third down conversions. The moment since Cooper's gotten here, now they rank fifth in the league well, in we third talk, down conversions. We talked because, about this last week because yeah. of the balance now yeah. on the offense and the ability 
to generate some yards on first down, you're facing yeah. more third and shorts. And when you do have third and long, you've got more receiving options. Yeah, so. and now Michael Gallup is not a lead receiver. He is your, you know, complimentary receiver. And a great Same option. With, I, a, a, not, yeah. I, I'm not going to say great, but he's an emerging, yes. attractive option as, as, a, as a, a complimentary sure. receiver. Yeah, yeah, no question. So, it, yeah, it, it just made sense and brought balance to, to the whole offense. But, again, it's interesting because let's go through all the steps. If they would have gotten Sammy Watkins – right. They never would have. They wouldn't have been in position or had the resources to go after Cooper or right. really had an inclination. If they hadn't have lost to Washington the way they did to drop to three, three and, and four at that three time, yeah, three and four at that time, uh, they would have not have been willing. If if they would have won in Washington, had led the division at that point. They would have. I don't, I'm not sure they would have given up a first round pick at that moment. Oh, I don't. For, I don't think Amari they would have done that. that. So, What's, Kevin, in ret- I mean, in retrospect, do you have to say the way they ended up doing this? You know, you can't ever see the horizon, but it, the way they ended up doing this was this in retrospect the best possible way to address that wide receiver. Well, I, I think that the way things worked out, and it's not just Amari Cooper. You know, uh, it's it's the way every and, and this is the way championships are built, or the way they happen is just that everything just clicks. Yeah. You know, you get lucky. You don't. You don't have injuries. You, you know, the the draft picks work out. The, the free agents work out. Guys have their best seasons, and this is what's happening here to this team. And this is one of the reasons why I picked them. You know, well, I, I will say this: Leighton Vander Esch was not a reason I picked the Cowboys to go eleven and five. No, but but but, but if Sean Lee had not have gotten hurt at the time he did where Leighton had his feet under him, would he have emerged the way he did? Right. If Connor Williams hadn't gotten hurt when he did, would they have hit on the formula in the offensive line with and, Xavier Suofilo? And, right. and as long as we're on that. So a lot of this is desperation. You just there Some are of no it's choices. desperation, too. And when you talk about guys hitting, I, I think we have to give all the credit in the world to the fact that I don't think any of us sitting at this table ever thought that Jalen Smith was going to be a full-strength player. And and he's been an asset. I don't, I don't know that we didn't think that. I think you know the the thing that I, my criticism of the Cowboys early on with Jalen was is that, that Jerry just kept saying, "Oh, he's going to be great, and everything's great," and, it, and he wasn't great. And he wasn't, you know, and he wasn't healthy, and it was unfair to him. And it's a, and then I think what I wrote, what everybody else wrote, was, "Hey, listen, let's just let the guy go. Let's just see what happens with him, and maybe he'll be good, and maybe he won't." I, I you know, but there was criticism of him as a second round pick. Well, well, sure. Because of the injury situation. Well, sure. And that he'd never live up to the value. Because of a here's here's round the pick. thing: this was a franchise that couldn't afford to waste a second right. round pick. Yeah. And 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 you know, been one thing if you were you were so deep at the position and you're and you're you were so good anyway. Well, we'll just take this guy and sit on him for a couple of years. Right. Well, you know, the Cowboys really couldn't afford to do that at the time. So now it has paid off now. Right. But you know, but back then it didn't. And and, and the key is, but is, Jerry had you out Fox the whole way. Always, Jimmy. always. But here's the thing about that is that. You know, Jalen's been really good, and our old pal Brad Sham, who I, I'm, I'm sorry that he's criticizing me behind my back, is that I, I think he criticized well, you. He does to your face. <laughs> well, is that is that he is? And I quoted him several times as saying that that because he said it on this podcast that Jalen is the most explosive linebacker he's seen for the Cowboys since Hollywood Henderson. Now, what he means by that is not the best, just just really fast, really got a lot of exploding, a lot of, of ability. But here's the thing. Leighton Vander Esch is better than Jalen Smith. Oh, there's, I, I, there's no doubt about that. I'm just saying I don't think that anybody foresaw going into the season that that Jalen Smith the, the, to go from a non a non factor at all your rookie season not playing to being an asset with that after that knee injury 
that's a big step. What forward. is a big thing? And, and what's happened here? And Tim wrote about Tim Callishaw wrote about this last week. About, we don't mention Tim about the linebackers. Well, I'm going because I'm going to give Tim a little shot. He's going to rip it. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, no, he, <laughs> that's why well, then fine. Oh, go he, ahead. Then this please. is the best set of linebackers the Cowboys have had since the '70s. Right. Uh, you know, uh, yeah. they they have in the in the Jimmy Johnson early '90s. Those guys were plug and play kind of linebackers. Now Ken Norton was very good. But they, they, you know, Jimmy. But they just were a defensive line and secondary defense, weren't they? Pretty well. They they were speed up front. It was a, very know, similar to what they are comparable. now. Yeah. Uh, you know, they 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 rotate a lot of guys in on, on the defensive line. You know, they they keep it fresh. They they they're fast. They do all of that. Um, so so this defense is really really good. And this is the thing to me. This is as I said before. It's not schemes. These are re- they've got Pro Bowl players at every level. Of the, of their defense, they've got Demarcus yeah. Lawrence, which they haven't had in a while. Yeah, they have not had that. They, and, and Leighton Van Der Esch is playing at a Pro Bowl level, and Byron Jones is playing at a Pro Bowl level. So that's that. How many teams can say that that they've got three levels of, of Pro Bowl players? Right. And then to to take a shot at Tim, well, after after the I can't remember which game it was, and he said for for two and a half games that the that the Mari Cooper trade was looking iffy. Looking no. iffy, <laughs> and then he said because that was after his big breakout performance. He had one eighty or one hundred eighty yards. <laughs> he says, "Well, if he keeps doing this, this will be it'll be pretty good." How many guys out there are getting one hundred eighty yards every week? You know, the the point is is that what you just brought up all ago is that is that I do consider look the stuff where he's getting it and he's running past somebody, somebody slips and falls and he takes off. He's fast, you know. He's right. he's terrific, you know. He's, he's but every- you guys have made the point over and over again how precise the route running has been. Well, it's just uh, he just he's a big Cole Beasley is what he is. And, and with this you quarterback, know. I think the route running is imperative. Is because imper- he doesn't have confidence in throwing up balls for for contested catches. Well, well no. how fascinating is it that for two years there was a debate locally about. Well, him and Dez just don't have a rapport. Right. It's 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 got to be on Dak. It's got you know, is it Dak's fault? Is it Dez's fault? Who's a quick rapport has not seemed to be an issue with Amari no, Cooper. Right. Does not and and, and, and that, that press. But I think that what, uh, I think what we na- about, what we now see is that it's all due basically to Dak having confidence in this guy's ability to run the precise routes yes. and to put the ball. Where he needs and to. you know why we thought yes. that that was a possibility was because, and this was the one thing that gave me some confidence in that trade uh, when they made it, is that look how quickly he developed that rapport with Cole Beasley. Yeah. From the very beginning, his rookie season, from the very beginning he's throwing the ball yeah. to Cole Beasley all the time. And you have to ask yourself, why is he doing that? Because this guy's always open. And and so to me it was like – Or this guy's always supposed to be where he is supposed to be. Well, in abso- a absolutely, yeah. absolutely. But but it's the separation. And I, I, yeah. I don't think there's any question in Dak's mind. He has trouble on that timing round. He has trouble throwing that ball out of a, coming out of a guy's break. He wants to see the guy open, you know, and, 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 then, and then throw it. And, and because he's so risk averse, you know that that's just right. his nature to be that way. So when he sees Cole Beasley open, he is open. I mean, it, it's not a deal where he's got, he's got like half a step on somebody. He's three steps away from somebody. And so that's what has made the the, the Amari Cooper thing work so well. And now, it's and you're crazy. starting to see that with Gallup a little well, bit. Well, you see with everybody. Now, he's taking he's taking Gallup. deeper shots, and and there a lot of people focus on the deep shots he's missed with Gallup, but he's hit some deep shots to right. Gallup as well. And, and you can tell. Uh, that they're starting to build a little bit of. Ra- I, would, I would argue they've built a better rapport than than Dez and. Oh, and, there's and no Dez. question about it. I don't think Dez and and, and Dak ever built any kind of rapport. There no, just wasn't. No. You know, I mean, I think Dez's philosophy out there was, "Hey, just throw the damn ball. Well, I'll of, catch." It was a lot of right. back shoulder stuff, and that's right. what Tony was comfortable doing. That and Tony would get the ball to him, whereas 
you know, this is not Dak's strength. Not. Now, I, I would say this. On, if, as long as we're talking Dak and we're going to start to wrap this one up, I would say that the, the next thing I want to see Dak Prescott do uh, as he tries to kind of salvage a year that's been very up and down is I think there have been more opportunities for him to just tuck the ball and run. And I'd like to see him do a little bit more of that against Philadelphia. I think that's only going to open more things up for him uh, in the last couple weeks of the season. Agree or disagree? Well, I just think he's so – like you mentioned risk averse. I think he's averse to tucking the ball and running. I think you see he's very selective with it. Um, You can certainly say more. What I would probably prefer to see at this point would be him – not take some of these sacks that he's taking. Yeah. That he allows the pocket to collapse on him. He's holding the ball uh, too long. Get rid of the ball. Uh, now, again, if that means, you know what, just run. If you don't see the guy, we'll run. But don't let this pocket – don't keep taking seven sacks a game. Take a two-yard two gain instead of a six-yard loss. See, that was amazing yeah. if they won that game with, with seven sacks. Right. Uh, <laughs> because because that is the thing. Because if you for all the criticism of the offensive line this year – and, and and I think that was an area that's underperformed, uh, even though they've had some injuries, uh, is that he was taking 3.1 seconds. Uh, that was a couple of weeks ago, so I don't know what the updated uh, stat is. But at one point, he was taking 3.1 seconds on every drop back, and that was third in the league in time allowed. So he's just taking too long. You, right. you watch the you know watch Tom Brady. He's getting the ball out with under two seconds, right. you know, every time back there. And and that's one of the reasons for his success all these years is because he yeah. does get the ball out. But so that's fast. that's the thing. If you don't if you take if you take two or three seconds and you don't have you don't see something. Yeah. Don't try and wait Think it out. Him, yeah. Put the ball either either throw the ball away, or tuck it and 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 get yourself three or four yards. And in, and, and Elliot in the run game get buys him a a a portion of time more than than most other quarterbacks get, but not not up to the, no. the extent that he's using. He's got to he's got to be more decisive earlier uh, in the possession. That, that to me that that's what needs to improve. Whether it's him just cutting the ball loose and taking an incompletion or running for two yards, uh, he needs to do a better job of that the remainder of the season. Because, uh, w- again, um, this offensive line isn't what it was from a pass protection standpoint two years ago. No. It's not, it's not close. All right, so all that said, as we, as we wrap up Cowboys here, um, this is a game worthwhile of, of predictions. Uh, prediction? Prediction? You mean for this week? No, for the weather in <laughs> for the rest of the season. <laughs> no, I, I I think we're all of you had them eleven and five, did you not? Yeah, you had them eleven and five. So well, I, I readjusted, uh, you know, and, and I, no, I did not. I did not. There's no readjusting allowed that. until that is no longer an option. Well, okay, then I'll take my eleven and five. Then. All right, so then uh, you picked the Cowboys <laughs> by how many points to the, this week? This week, uh, we haven't picked them yet. yet. I haven't made my picks yet. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say the Cowboys beat the Eagles. Uh, I don't even know what the line is. What's the line on this game? Do we know? Uh, I haven't seen it. I think it's probably probably four. Well, you know they just finished last night, so they just posted it this morning. Um, maybe maybe four would be my guess. Four yeah, and a half. probably something. There. I'm, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Cowboys twenty four twenty one. I say Dallas wins by about ten to thirteen points. Wow, wow. ten to thirteen points. Yeah. You've got them in a row. So thirteen nothing. <laughs> okay. Yeah, there you go. I'm going to be Evan Downer here. Um, You're picking the Eagles. 
I'm going to well, take Well, they're the, the more desperate team, and there's something to be said for that. They're desperate. They are Super Bowl champions. Super yep. Bowl champions don't just fade away. They've found, Even though they haven't played really well to this point, they've found a way to scramble themselves back to 500. And I just don't see the Cowboys rolling off eight straight wins to, to end the year. Why is that? I don't – I don't – I still don't think that they're that. They're, they are an emerging club. They have played really well the last four weeks. If they get this win to get to five straight, do you see them reeling I, off eight to go into the postseason? I'd have to say so at that point. See, here's I mean, the they've, thing. Just, they've, they've made it through their tough stretch. They've, they've won at home. They've won on the road. And the last three games are not difficult games. Here's the thing about this Cowboys team. Uh, and I went back and looking at numbers, you know, uh, and comparing to, to like what the Eagles did last year. And the Eagles blew teams out last year for the most part. They won – the games they won last year I think were by 14.5 points. The yeah. Cowboys' wins this year have been by 9.5 points, but that's skewed by the Jacksonville. By the Jacksonville game. Uh, you yeah. know, and so if you take away the Jacksonville game, most of their wins are by like 3 points. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's why people are, having, are struggling with this. But I thought that Brandon George came up with a great stat the other day. Uh, when he was, Which uh, is unusual. But yeah, go uh, ahead. It is. I didn't realize – since, since uh, Dak Prescott has been in the league – only Tom Brady has won more games. Yeah, I gave him that stat. Did you go give ahead. Him that? <laughs> oh, look at that. <laughs> I gave him that. No, oh, cause, boy, yeah, because yeah, him and Drew Brees were tied going into that game. He has 29 wins, and yeah. I don't know how many Tom has, but I'm, I'm sure it's more, quite a bit more than that. No, not, not quite a bit. I think it's like 31 or something. Yeah, Is that right? Bit, yeah. So, so what it comes down to is two things to me. One is that he's healthy. You know, a lot of quarterbacks, mm-hmm. Carson Wentz, people like yeah. that, guys are getting hurt. And, that's, and listen, that's something not to be undersold. He is out there every week for taking seven sacks. He's out there every week. He's not missing plays, much less games. Well, so, it speaks to what Evan said, too, where it's like, I'd like to see him run more. How often do you, like, hold your breath when you see quarterbacks run? He's going to get hurt. Right. But there's a sense that Dak's not going to get hurt when he runs. Yeah. Because he's a smart runner. He's big. And, you know, he again, he hurt his hand and was bleeding. They pat- patched up his left hand, his non-throwing hand in that right. game. but. Uh, he takes some pretty big hit. He avoids most hits, but even when he takes a hit, it doesn't seem to bother well, him. Well, and, 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 and here's the, the other thing about, about Dak is that we see the things that he doesn't do. And I thought that that was another thing that Brandon wrote about it and, and was that the, the two plays there yeah. where he runs for 11 yards. That's he, the whole debate right there, those two plays. Is that yeah. he, he runs for 11 yards in which he was going to slide at one point, realized he didn't have to, and kept going, and then and then finally did slide. Gets 11, da- 11 yards in the first down, a, a critical play at that point in the game. And then the very next play uh, throws to Michael Gallup, and Michael Gallup is wide open. Ten and, yards uh, behind Eli Apple. Uh, all you got to do yards just float him. the ball. Yeah. Float the ball out there to him. He throws away. And, and the thing is, is that uh, there's no question you cannot miss that guy. There is no mm-hmm. question you cannot miss that guy. But the flip side of it is that he wouldn't even have been able to put him in that position if he had not yeah. scrambled for the 11 yards. And that's, that, that is the thing about Dak. I think we go – Those two plays crystallize the entire debate about that they, Prescott they where he is right now as a quarterback. You, we go too far. We, you know, I, I, I want to see him make those plays too. But we go too far when we say, oh, he's just mediocre. Get rid of him. He, he's not good enough. Well, you know, I would make the point that Nick Foles is probably pretty mediocre, too, and he won a Super Bowl. Right. Mark Sanchez is playing quarterback. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I think we need to get out of here. We've spent plenty of time talking about the Cowboys. Um, we've still got to talk about the Rangers, who apparently are now a major concert destination because they <laughs> just announced that Paul McCartney will be playing at Globe Life Park on June 14th. 
Really? The old the old Globe Life Park? You're talking yes. about this this next season? The Paul old Paul McCartney? The old, yeah. Paul, the old Paul McCartney. <laughs> Paul McCartney cannot schedule the 2020 <laughs> because we're not sure he'll still be alive. We'll be playing at Globe Life Park on June 14th. This is the first major concert that, wow. uh, that, this, that this stadium has held. Is it going to be before a game, after a game, anything? No, no this will just be seventh a Seventh inning stretch. <laughs> Yeah. Part of the seventh inning yeah. stretch. Now this I, I, this will just be a concert. He's ball game boys. Um, That's kind of crazy. I, I don't even know where the Rangers will be that day, but obviously they won't be in. Won't Texas. be there. <laughs> um, so let's. Uh, and then we've got. I, I think we'll have a lively conversation about the CFP, um, even without Tim Brando. Uh, I think we can. I don't think you should have brought up Tim Brando's name. We can. We can. Uh, I think we can, voice some. You foist plenty. Foist. Hot, yeah. hot takes on people. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we will uh, we will get out of here. Kevin, would you like to take us out? Because I know you like to feel Please like do. you're No, no, control. no. I, I like to do the introductions. You guys can do the, the goodbyes for all I care. All right. So for David Moore and I. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so for Kevin Sherrington, David Moore, and me, Evan Grant, so long, everybody. Bye. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see you.